Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Let the dance macabre begin. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and a very warm welcome. I know the only one show in the world that combines it all. Singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive. It's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe? It is easy what I say. What I say. This is the Euro Trip. Hello and welcome to the Euro Trip, your brand new podcast focusing on all things Eurovision. My name is James. I'm Rob. James is right. We are here every single week with the latest news from the world of Eurovision. And with this being episode four, I think it's safe to say, very excitedly, that we now have a month's worth of podcasts. So plenty for you to listen to, plenty of back episodes if you haven't listened to some of the ones we've done so far. And you may know at this point what you can expect. So if you're a brand new listener, let's fill you in. We're going to kick off, as we normally do, with the news in 90, your 90-second update of all things happening in the world of Eurovision. We're going to be joined by a guest who knows all of the things that have been going on, and we're going to put them on the spot to see if they can update us in just 90 seconds. We've got some big games as well, some lovely opportunities for both myself and Rob to embarrass ourselves with the European quiz and the one-second song. James has used the word lovely there. I would use the word embarrassing, honestly. Embarrassing opportunities to embarrass ourselves further. The European quiz is us us delving deep, us testing our knowledge of one of the countries that takes part in the Eurovision Song Contest. Last week, Estonia. This week, who knows? And the one-second song remains the hardest game in podcast land and remains a game that me and James have still got zero points in. Indeed. Maybe our fortunes will change this week perhaps not but also we will be joined by our very big guest as well last week it was Katrina Demanta from Latvia but this week who knows who it's going to be 
I do. It's Alex Panay. He's represented Cyprus twice at Eurovision. He's been a songwriter. He's been a vocal coach too. And just listen to this list of names of people that he's worked with. I worked with Alexeyev. I worked with Sergei Lazarev. I worked with uh, the Tomachevi twins. I worked with Sakis Rupas. I worked with Elena Paparizou. I worked with a lot of people. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. This is the Eurotrip. So that's right then, here we are, episode four of the Eurotrip podcast. Still to come later on in the show, we've got our big guest, as we mentioned just there, Alex Panay, Cypriot singer-songwriter and two-time Cypriot entry. He will be joining us later on. We also have the European quiz. But now, James. As usual, we're going to start the show with the news in 90. Why 90? Well, I'll tell you why 90. Because over the last few weeks and months, Rob has had nothing to do, just like the rest of us. So he spent his time doing some Eurovision research. He's got a shelf full of Eurovision books, and he's found out that, on average, it takes a Eurovision spokesperson 90 seconds, would you believe, to deliver the points on behalf of their jury. So for that reason, we give our guest every week 90 seconds to give us all of the latest news from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, you hear other podcasts, they, they talk about the news for hours, not us. We just give our guests 90 seconds. And the guy who is joining us to do that this week is Kieran Uri Tatier from Eurovision Showcase. Kieran, how are you, sir? I am wonderful and wonderful to be with you boys. It's great to be here on the Eurotrip. How are you feeling, uh, as many of us are, on the eve of the Eurovision New Year? Very exciting. <laughs> Very excited. Yes, definitely. I mean, now we've got practically a guaranteed contest going to be happening next year. In what consensus of and idea it's going to be, we don't really know. But uh, whatever it will be, I'm sure we will all be happy with just something, <laughs> to be fair. Now, James, who is taking on stopwatch duties this week? I will take stopwatch duties this week. So if we are all ready, Rob, are you ready to stand by? I'm ready to stand by, whatever that means. <laughs> and Kieran, are you ready to begin? I am ready, ready, ready to go. Right then, your time starts in three, two, one, go. Right, well, first of all, we've got some great news from SVT that Melody Festivalen's submission window has opened up. So it's very exciting times. And relating to Melody Festivalen, earlier this week, uh, Sarah Donfina, as we all know, is Linda Wedbrath, um, was mentioning on Twitter uh, following a comment from Scandy Pop that uh, she was not really involved in the songwriting camp as an artist, but she was invited to be there as a songwriter for other artists. But in this conversation, she said um, she was asked if she would be interested in representing the UK. And she said she would love to represent the UK. So that gets me um, very, very excited indeed. Um, the thought of that. Now, also in some sad news, Ulla Pia, who represented Denmark at the Eurovision Song Contest in 1966 in Luxembourg, has passed away sadly at the age of 75. Uh, she finished in 14th out of 18 acts. And uh, she was the last Danish entry until their big a break up until the 1978 contest in uh, Paris, of course. So, and also uh, Swiss 
television uh, company RTS have had a interview with the I'm new... I'm going to stop you right there. And as exciting as that interview may have been, I'm afraid <sighs> we don't have any time to get there. That was a bit brutal, wasn't it, Rob? That was brutal. I want to know who they had the interview with. Come on, let's be kind. Kieran, who did, who did Swiss uh, television have the interview with? Go on. They had the interview with the event supervisor of the EBU, um, which is Nadia Birkenhardt. Let's go with it. From- sure. I'll take your word. Take your word for it, Kieran. Now then, we're going to have to choose one of those stories to talk a little bit more about in some more detail. And I think it makes it quite easy this week because you only sort of mentioned about three. So I've got one in mind. Rob, do you have one in mind as well? And do you think we're actually going to agree again for the fourth time? I don't think we need any of this rigmarole, James. We know we're talking about Melody Festival, and don't we? It has to be. It has to be. Uh, Mainly because I enjoy saying the word Melody Festival, and because we don't have a word like it in our language, do we? Oh, Kieran, it is (laughs) Melody Festival and New Year. I said it was Eurovision New Year earlier on. Uh, The submission window is open, open now until I think the middle of September. Who are you hoping to see do Melfest this year? Because unfortunately, we know that the Mamas are probably not going to be part of this year's Melody Festival and they were due to represent Sweden in Eurovision this year. So who would you like to see on the stage later on? Well, later on, not this year, but early in 2021. (laughs) Well, I could pick a number of Swedish artists. Really, I could. But if I had to pick one, it would have to be Jon Henrik Falgren. I just love his songs. On a side note, I would love After Dark to come back. (laughs) Soft spot for me. And uh, Lena Hedlund. Just to, to, just quickly, because James, we've got to get to something, and we know what we're getting to in a second. Uh, I would say uh, the woman who uh, whose name I mispronounced every year for about the last five years, uh, Victoria or Victoria, as I called her for so long, uh, is absolutely my favourite, and oh, I just want to see her represent Sweden so bad. I saw her perform um, in a gay bar in Gothenburg in 2017 that was incredible and ever since then I've just had a special connection with her but her best song and the song that absolutely should have represented Sweden was As I Lay Me Down what a what an anthem we are now at the point where we ask our guest from the news in 90 about the one second song so far in the first three episodes neither me nor Rob have been able to get it right but when we invited Richard Taylor on from Eurovision Island last week he got all four points so Kieran, and for everybody listening at home, here is your first opportunity to hear this week's One Second Song. So Kieran, you're the first person to hear it. Rob hasn't heard it. He'll hear it later on for the very first time. But your initial thoughts on this week's One Second Song? Instantly got it. It's one of... It's, it's, a, it's a big fan favourite. That's going to make it even worse when I don't get it later on, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Oh, Kieran, very confident. So you reckon you're going to get the four points for the, uh, so the song, artist, year, James, what's the other one? And country, of course, is the last one. Kieran, do you reckon you'll get all four points? Oh, yes. Well, we will find out later on in the show. Perhaps you listening at home have already got it right. Feel free to tweet us at Eurotrip Podcast if you've got it right. But for now, we've got to say thank you and goodbye to Kieran. But before you go, just remind us, where can people keep up to date with yourself and your show? Sure, certainly. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for the Eurovision Showcase. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at ESC Showcase. And if you've got 
like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Mixcloud, you can find the Eurovision Showcase on Forest FM. Just give us a search and I'll be there. Eurovision, we've got it covered. Thanks very much to Kieran there, giving us all of the latest news from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. He, of course, gave his guess to the one second song. We'll get Rob's guess later on, but Rob, he sounded pretty confident. Yeah, it worries me how confident he seemed there, Kieran. That means that I should guess it. And if we've learned anything over the last three weeks, not likely that either of us are going to get it right. At least this week, you know what the answer is. Kieran, by the sounds of it, knows what the answer is. I will, in probably about 10, 15 minutes time, have literally no idea what the answer is. So look forward to that, everyone. Let's see what happens. Stay tuned for all of that. But now it is time for the European quiz. If it's the first time you've listened, then what we're about to do is get quiz on one of the countries that takes part in the Eurovision Song Contest. If you're a regular listener, you will of course know by now that we're not very good at it, are we, Rob? Absolutely useless. Absolutely useless. So far, we have failed miserably with our knowledge of Switzerland, Belarus and Estonia. Safe to say... Uh, that we probably will be staying in Eastern Europe this week. Who knows? One man does, though. Indeed he does. That man is Samuel Deacon. And let's head over to him right now to find out which country we are getting quizzed on this week. It's time to celebrate the Independence Day of this country. Here are three questions about the birthplace of Mila Kunis and home of the world's worst nuclear disaster, Ukraine. Yes, not often that the world's worst nuclear disaster gets dropped on a Eurovision podcast but uh, there you are I think it's safe to say you and me know very little about Ukraine I know which boat I'm in which is the boat of knowing nothing I've never been have you? Well thanks for thanks for letting us know that straight away because what I usually like to do is ask you whether you've been to these countries or not you've been to Switzerland uh, you had been to Belarus but last week we found out that you hadn't been to Estonia And that kind of put us on a bit of an equal footing, um, but it didn't really help me because I didn't win. No, no, you did not. But who knows what we'll do this week, eh? You're due a win in the quiz, I think. Uh, Let's find out then. Here's question number one with Mr. S. Deakin. Beneath which of this country's cities would you find over 1,500 miles of unmapped catacombs? Right then. A fantastic start. Well, I say fantastic. It's not very fantastic at all because I must admit, when somebody says Ukrainian city, there's only one that comes to mind. Although maybe it's two. Rob, how are you feeling about this one? I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling mainly happy because we've been able to get the word catacombs into this week's podcast, which is an absolute delight as ever. Catacomb, which, as we all know, if you're listening, is a, is a tunnel. But also sounds like it could be an animal you could find in a mythical forest. I'm going to say city-wise this week, uh, so we're after a city, aren't we, for this question. I'm going to go with Odessa, the port city of Odessa. Well, earlier on I said that I knew two cities in Ukraine. Odessa was one of them. Um, And for that, well, I'm just going to have to pick the other one. I don't know a great deal about catacombs. Um, I believe Paris is quite famous for its uh, for its catacombs. Um, I admit this is now turning into some sort of structural engineering podcast. Um, I've got no problem with that. If you can say the word catacombs in your wonderful accent one more time for us all. Catacombs. Oh. All right, ladies, calm down. 
Um, so I'm just going to have to pick the other Ukrainian city that I know, which is Kiev. You'd find them in Odessa. Off the bat, one question in, one point in the bag. How do you feel, Mr. Rowe? It's just unfair. That's that's the uh, that's the long and short of it. Because if I'd gone first, I'd have said Odessa. It's just the fact of the the way the draw went left me in second place, which means I didn't get it right. So I'm going to take a moral victory for that one. I hope you don't mind. I'm not sure moral victory points count, but anyway, whatever. Uh, you're going to go first on this one, so that's fine. This is your chance. Here's question number two. Zlata Ognevich represented Ukraine at Eurovision in 2013. Working in the Verkhovna Rada building, what did she do as a job for just one year in 2014? Now, 2014 was, of course, the year after she'd done Eurovision, which you would think would give us some sort of clue that it was something to do with... Actually, I'm not going to say, because you're going first. So, no, I'm giving you no extra help, because if I get this one right, that means I've already won. So, yeah, it's me first. And you'd like to think it was some sort of performing job, wouldn't you? Since she did Eurovision the year before. So, my guess... I don't know. I don't even know what this building even is. So I'm just going to say she's a cleaner. Wow, that would be quite the come down from Eurovision, wouldn't it? I'm going to say, I mean, you deserve about 15 points if the correct answer is that she was a cleaner. Uh, I think we call call the quiz off if if you have got that one right. Uh, I'm going to say, I don't know why. It's not really got anything to do with anything. I'm going to say that she was in a circus. She was indeed a member of Parliament. Quite a long way from a cleaner, um, and also quite a long way, although in many people's view, perhaps not, quite far away from being in a circus. Just imagine if that was like that here in the UK. If you had old Daz Sampson was running transport, for example, wouldn't that be... I mean, I'd enjoy that. But what? Very quickly, what other roles can we give out here from former UK entries? Uh, Andy Abraham could be Secretary of State for Education. I think you would you would definitely trust uh, Bonnie Tyler with... Uh, well, actually, would you trust Bonnie Tyler with anything? I think it's probably time, uh, given that we seem to be floundering with other political positions to, to hand out, even though we, of course, do not have that responsibility, uh, to move on to question number three. On July 23rd, quoting a tweet from the Russian government, Ukraine's official Twitter account posted a gif of a dolphin saying what? Now then, for memory, I believe that the Ukrainian and the Russian Twitter accounts have a little bit of history. Um, they like to have a bit of banter backwards and forwards. I enjoy that you've used the word banter there, which is... Um... Is, that, is that not the word you'd use for international relations? I would say that Vladimir Putin probably doesn't describe his actions in Ukraine as banter, James, but who'd have thought we'd get into that? Well, that's the word I'm going to stick with, and it may well be the wrong word to use, and I may have government officials not going to write all very shortly. <laughs> However, um, this is a really tricky one, really, isn't it? Because it could be anything. Thankfully, I'm going second on this one. Rob, I'm putting you on the spot now. What was the dolphin saying in that gif? My expertise in dolphin-based Twitter gifs is uh, is quite small. I'm gonna say, I reckon the dolphin, uh, because everyone loves a dolphin, but I reckon there's no messing with a dolphin. So I reckon the dolphin gif uh, is a good is a dolphin, and the words just uh, just say, back off. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's unlikely. 
Don't get me wrong, but that's that's my answer. It's an interesting answer. And at the top of this segment, I mentioned that I know that the Ukrainian the Russian Twitter accounts have a little bit of history, a little bit of banter between them. And I do remember one time specifically that the Ukrainian Twitter account quoted the Russian Twitter account and said, Toxic X here. So what I'm going to do is just know that that is a tweet that the Ukrainian Twitter account has used and just say that. So I'm going to say that he said, Toxic X here. Crimea is Ukraine? Of course it was. It could only be one answer, couldn't it? Why did none of us see that coming? That's really embarrassing because surely any mention of the word Ukraine, any Eurovision fan would always say Crimea is Ukraine. And yet we somehow didn't. Perhaps you did at home. Did you do better than us? Because I'm trying to work out the mammoth amount of points that us two have scored here. And I think, did we score one point out of three here? And that went to you. As always, you're looking at the winner. So uh, I think that's three weeks, three weeks in a row that I've retained the European quiz title. Need to uh, need to sort your game out, sir. I've been doing a lot of research on the Wikipedia page for the Czech Republic. So as soon as the Czech Republic comes around, honestly, I'm going to be getting not just three points, but a hundred points because that's how good I'm going to be. This is the Euro Trip. So that's right. This is the Eurotrip, your latest Eurovision podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, on Acast and on Spotify too. And for the fourth week in a row, we have made absolute fools out of ourselves. We have no idea about any of these countries, mainly, James, because these questions get more tenuous every single week. It's not as much as a European quiz. It's just the most difficult quiz in the world. These questions... I mean, I don't know where he gets them from, but nobody's ever going to get a chance to get three out of three. I'll be amazed if anybody does. Perhaps next week, we might do a little bit better. Well, the thing is, me and you also do another quiz with Sam. I don't know why we put ourselves through that off the podcast. I mean, that could be a podcast in itself. And the questions involved in that are as ridiculous as they are in this. So rest assured, listeners, it's not just you. It's not just a performance he puts on. This is the sort of thing he does in his everyday life. As you'll know by now, we always interview a big guest from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. In the past, we've spoken to such big names as Eric Gabriel, Nicky French, and last week, of course, it was Katrina Demanda. But this week, we're going to be speaking to a man who has potentially been to the Eurovision Song Contest the most times out of anybody else. Yeah, honestly, this man has a ridiculous CV. We are talking about Cypriot Eurovision entry, two-time entry, songwriter, vocal director, Alex Panay. He is the nicest man ever. I had a chat with him a few days ago. We were catching up. I was having a tea. He was having an, an iced coffee, which tells you about the differing temperatures in the two countries that we're in. But I put it to Alex, as James said there, that he has been to Eurovision more than literally anybody else. I don't know, actually. I mean, um, I really don't know what Ralph Ziegel has done. <laughs> I've lost count. So I don't know if, uh, yeah, but I've been doing it since 1989. But yes, I've done 1989, then 91, then 95, then 2000, then 2005, 2009, 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Is it possible, I'm pretty sure the, I know the answer to this already, but is it possible to compare the contest that you, you first took part in, 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 I think you said 89, to you know, what Eurovision is today? Um, for one thing, there was no internet back then. 
so you can imagine it was a very limited um, fan base that followed the contest like, like it's being followed right now. It's a living, breathing contest and the things that happen to it happen to it because it needs to survive. I think a lot of the decisions that were taken were wise decisions. Some, I, I kind of am afraid of them, like uh, this new rule that we have for 2021, which is recorded vocals are allowed. Now, for me, that's a bit um, dangerous in a sense. A lot of my backing vocalists are career backing vocalists. They, they do Eurovision every year and they mostly Swedish, actually. It's ironic that the Swedish have introduced a rule that will, you know, probably uh, make their talent obsolete. But on, uh, in general, I think that uh, all these changes have created this huge uh, music, global music event. Uh, it's, it's coming back to the wider acceptance that it had in the 50s and 60s and 70s, where, you know, if you were at the Eurovision, you were guaranteed to be like a, a star and, 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 you know, your songs would uh, be in the top 40 in the UK and, and you would have some sort of career. I mean, we, we talk about backing vocalists, as you did there. That, that was your kind of first uh, debut in, in Eurovision in, in 89. Exactly. 1989, it was such a wonderful experience. I mean, what, what was it like and, and how did you find yourself in that position in the first place? Oh, God, I always wanted to be in Eurovision. I mean, always. When I, I remember my, from my first memories when I would, I'd, I'd be watching some sort of Eurovision, even before Cyprus took part. Um, this was all we had in Tiny Little Cyprus. We didn't have a lot of, uh, we only had one state channel and one state radio station. That was it. So my whole life was Eurovision as a singer. I was like, I have to go to Eurovision because I, I was born singing in a sense. My father says I started singing before I could talk, just like uh, the girl with the golden hair. So when um, we had, um, when we started taking part in Eurovision, you know, I waited a couple of years. I was like 10 years old. When Leah VC went in 1985, I was 14. <laughs> I, uh, I called CYBC uh, and told them I want to be um, a backing vocalist for the entry. Can I please audition for you? And they said, oh, I'm, you know, I told them, you know, I was 14 years old. Blah, blah, blah. And they said, uh, sorry, we only hire professionals. And, you know, she, they already have a team that is going to go. And so, you know, I had this itch going on every year. And then suddenly in 1989, I knew the composer uh, of the song. Uh, I was a family friend. And he said, Alex, if, you know, Let's do this. You, you're going to be a backing vocalist for Eurovision. And I'm like, I couldn't believe it. I was in the army, actually, my first year in the army. Because in, uh, in 1989, uh, no, and to this day, there is a, a compulsory military, military service in Cyprus. And at the time, it was 26 months. So I was a few months into my military service, and uh, I was elated to hear the news that I am officially a member of the Cypriot team for Apopsias Vrathumis, which was like incredible news for me. Is, is it possible, because you, you say there that was your, your dream, but then did your dream get better when it was you center stage in, in 1995? And, and, you know, you were, it was your name above the door and, and you were the, the entry. And is it possible to compare your first Eurovision in, in 89 to, to 95? It must be completely different when you are the act. 
it is very different. Um, of course, my Eurovision virginity was taken in 1989, and that's something that could never happen again. So I was, and oh, and I went in 1991 as well as a backing vocalist with uh, SOS. So, um, but 1995, as you said, was that everything was on my shoulders. My name was on on the label. So, uh, and I was coming from a very hostile uh, environment from Cyprus because people weren't really convinced that we would do well for various reasons. But uh, getting there and having that responsibility to represent your country uh, on stage as a lead artist, composer, and lyricist uh, really was uh, something else, I tell you, uh, especially since it went so well. Uh, it was a performance that um, to this day people say is a classic. And uh, I'm very proud of it. Uh, I'm very proud of my team. The whole team that we had in 1995 are, are very close friends to this day. Actually, I'm at the house of Katerina, who was part of the backing vocals in 1995, uh, as we speak now. <laughs> We're still very good friends, and it's, a, it's one of the most glorious memories that I have, personal or professional. It's just, it was a week of uh, just pure happiness. How much do you remember of, of your Eurovisions, of course, because you had 95 and, that, and then 2000, of course, which we'll come on to in a moment. But when I've spoken to, to a lot of entries previously, they've said that their performances, as you've, you've called it a dream before, it's felt yeah. a bit like a dream and, and a bit of a blur and, and you can't remember too many of the finer details. What's it like for you? I remember who I was looking at when I, when I, at certain uh, points when I, when I watch it back on YouTube. I, I know who I was looking at when I was singing that phrase. It's, it's imprinted in my brain. Such a part of the, uh, the look for that entry was the, uh, your iconic jacket. Where's the jacket? Do you still know where the jacket is? Oh, please don't remind me. What a <laughs> I used to um, uh, wear it sometimes when I perform. Like, I was in, invited in uh, London to perform in, uh, in the Cypriot community, whatever. I would take my jacket because you know, they knew. If I, if I were to perform that song, I would, I would always wear that jacket. Um, and then uh, it started getting a bit uh, worn, worn out because it was like a crushed velvet. And, and from, it started sort of like folding. And uh, I took it to be repaired. And then one day when I was supposed to go pick it up, I went to the apartment of the seamstress that was supposed to uh, fix it for me. And the apartment was empty. The door was open. There was nothing in there. She had disappeared with everything gone from the apartment and never saw her again. No one ever oh. saw her. And the jacket is missing. It's probably somewhere in Albania. You're one of the, the, the few um, contestants who's been fortunate enough to represent their country twice. So you did 1995 and then you did again Stockholm in 2000, but, but this time not alone. Is it possible to compare doing Eurovision by yourself and then doing Eurovision as part of a, a group? Well, you can compare it, but nothing comes close to your first experience, your solo career kind of moment in uh, Eurovision. 
your uh, your Eurovision career, if we can uh, if we can call it that, from 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 being the the entry yourself, has has kind of gone on to you taking on the role of, I think I've, I've read it as vocal director. Can you talk yeah. us through what what that job entails, what that means? Uh, up to 2019, at least it entailed uh, me being well. The, the country would choose the song and the performer, or just the performer, and then would do demos. Uh, of songs with the performer to choose with a focus group which song would be the one representing. So my role would, would come the minute, uh, like, uh, let's say, let's, let's get an example here. Um, Who are some of the people that you've worked with in this role before? Okay. Uh, it's I a long list. <laughs> from Belarus, a lot of artists from Belarus, uh, Light Sound, Teo, uh, Aliona Lanskaya, I worked with Uzari um, and Naimuna, I worked with Alexeyev, who's actually a big star in all the Soviet countries, not only in Belarus, and he's Ukrainian. Uh, I worked with Sergei Lazarev, I worked with uh, the Tomachevi twins, twice with Sergei Lazarev. I worked with uh, Sakis Rupas, I worked with Elena Paparizou, I worked with a lot of people. And my role in it, as a vocal director is to make sure that vocally the song reaches its maximum potential, uh, making sure that they sing in the correct style, that their English is good. You know, like my, my friends from Azerbaijan, like uh, Chinggis had difficulty in pronunciation. They don't speak English that well. So uh, we had to work a lot on the pronunciation and, and uh, um, and I use, I'm going to use this example too because we have a very, very strong bond with Chinggis because uh, Chinggis was thrown into this. He was more of a um, traditional kind of singer. I'm sure he's okay with me saying this, but it, it, before the final, the grand final, he was um, feeling like he couldn't feel his voice and he was panicking. He had a mini, pan, mini panic attack. So... From my experience, I knew how to calm him down and how to just prove to him that his voice was just fine and uh, ease his uh, worries. Uh, there is a, a question that we, we ask everybody that we speak to, and this is one that we, I'm now going to spring on you, and I'm apologizing for that already. Uh, okay. Everybody asks what your favorite Eurovision song is, I assume. Goodness. But we are going to make it even harder because we ask everybody what your second favorite Eurovision song is. Maybe Switzerland 2020. I could never have a favorite or second favorite. I, I could have a list of maybe a hundred. This is the Euro trip. So there you are, Alex Panay, a man who has been to Eurovision more times than I have had hot dinners. Absolutely ridiculous. Some incredible stories there. And also, I must say, if you want to check out Alex Panay's incredible beard, you can do at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter because uh, you can see a little video of him there. I've got a lot of beard envy. My beard is nothing compared to his. First of all, you are a man who has a lot of hot dinners. Um, so it's fair to say he's been to Eurovision on a great number of occasions. And yes, I'd have to agree. His beard is better than yours and mine put together. I think it is time to move on. The podcast is coming to an end. But before we get to that, it is time for the hardest game in podcast land, the one 
second song. Now, earlier on in the episode, you will have heard James play the one second song to Kieran on the News in 90. Kieran sounds pretty confident. Uh, Just to fill you in, the one second song, it's pretty much what it says on the tin. I will hear this week the first second of a song that has competed in the Eurovision Song Contest. And I will have to do my best to work out the country, the artist, the year, and the song title. So, James, you are you confident that I will not get it this week? When I was thinking about it earlier on, I was thinking, I think I've actually been very generous to you this week, actually. I think it might be a bit of an easier one. So... This is going to be the first time you've heard it. Of course, Kieran's heard it earlier on. He submitted his answer to me and the listeners have all heard it. But for you, Rob, for the very first time, this is the one second song. James, it's really easy, but I can't remember what song it is. So then, this is your second chance to get it right. Because, of course, on week two of the podcast, it was me who set the song for you. Um, and you didn't know what it was. Week one and week three, it was your turn to set them for me, and I didn't know. So, we've reached week four. Is this going to be the first time that one of us two gets it right? James, it's going to have to be a guess. This is awful. This is one of those where I absolutely know it, and yet, obviously, don't really, because I can't give you the answer. But the minute you say what it is, I'm going to be like, oh, of course it is. Yeah, that makes sense. So then, four points on offer. We're looking for the song name, the artist who performed it, the country who they represented, and the year that it took place in the Eurovision Song Contest. What are your guesses, Rob? Now, I can't remember what the name of the song is exactly, if it is this answer, and I'm not even confident it is. I'm going to go 2004... Serbia and Montenegro and uh, Jerko Joksemovic off of also hosted it in 2008, I think. Well, you say that. Earlier on in the show, Kieran said that he was pretty confident and he submitted his answer to me earlier on. And let's just say, I don't think you two could be any further apart. Kieran's guess earlier on was Cyprus 2018. Fuego. What do you think about that? No way. There is no way that is Fuego. There is not a chance that that is pop banger of the last decade Fuego. Not a chance. Well, what I can tell you is there's not a chance that you are right, Rob, because you are not. And I don't think that comes as any surprise to you or the listeners at home. But I can also tell you that there is no chance at all that Kieran is right either, because you are both wrong. Did you get it at home? The answer was, of course, back in 2010, it was Armenia. It was Eva Rivas with Apricot Stone. So once again, there we are at the end of the one second song, at the end of yet another episode of the Eurotrip podcast, and neither of us have covered ourselves in any glory when it comes to the one second song. Zero points or nil point for me once again. Indeed, but next week 
will hopefully be a chance for one of us to redeem ourselves in the one second song. It'll be my turn to guess the song. Rob will be setting it for me. But also next week, we will do the European quiz once more. Fingers crossed this is the Czech Republic. I've been doing all my research on them. And we will also have the news in 90, where we will have by then celebrated the 1st of September. You will, of course, know that day as Eurovision New Year. So potentially some big stories to come there. And last but not least, our big interview. And next week, next week is a biggie. Not going to give much away, but it is a man who I don't think he ever thought would perform on the Eurovision stage. I cannot wait. When I find out who we have on next week's podcast, honestly, I cannot wait. I've listened to the interview and one of the anecdotes you will hear is absolutely sensational and I guarantee it will be unrivaled by any other Eurovision podcast. It is fantastic. So make sure you tune in next week for episode five of the Euro trip. But for now, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our interview or my interview with Alex Panay. I hope you've enjoyed everything you've heard on this episode of the Euro trip. It is time for me to say goodbye. It's time for me to say goodbye too. But before we go, don't forget to subscribe to us. Leave us a review. It always helps us to make this podcast. And in the meantime, until next Wednesday, make sure you follow us on socials as well. On Twitter, we are at Eurotrip Podcast. See you later. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.